Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. So I was just out doing some scouting and uh, one of my favorite pieces of gear that like gets overlooked, it's funny, um, I was wearing it um, I think down in Ohio and uh, one of the guys I was hunting with was like, oh man, that's nice what is that? And it's their Gadsden quarter zip. It's like a mesh, nice, breathable half zip. Um, not too terribly expensive, but great for this time of year, uh, out scouting and some of that early season stuff. I know some of you Southern guys, um, you know, need that type of, uh, clothing, but, but for right now in Michigan, getting out there, um, I like to keep my arms covered for ticks and all that other stuff. So, um, that Gadsden quarter zip, I thought I'd mention that one. That's, uh, one of, one of the pieces of gear that's kind of growing on me. That's overlooked. I haven't, uh, talked about that one too much and it's definitely one of my go-tos. Um, but this episode, uh, actually I got to meet the, 
the people behind Huntworth um, at this show last year. Uh, the Mobile Hunters Expo is coming to Kalamazoo uh, here in Michigan. Uh, it's the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Uh, we go into that towards the end of the podcast here. Um, talking with Chris, got to meet him last year. Uh, met him online, back and forth. Uh, probably one of the most um, receptive of guys. Like if, so you, if, if you hear this podcast and you got questions for him, reach out because the guy gets back to you in like two seconds. Um, really, really amazing uh, guy. But podcast, we talk a little bit about uh, hunting and like how he got into mobile hunting and uh, it's kind of funny because he's he's really kind of new to it but um talk about the hunting side of it a uh, very accomplished hunter uh and especially in that short term uh short time on uh public land and doing the mobile thing so uh fun stories and uh, a good podcast i think you guys are really going to enjoy it uh from the hunting side uh, and then a little bit about the expo and and that sort of stuff um what we have coming up, so much uh, giveaway stuff. We are into a new quarter, so uh, I'm going to be announcing the the quarterly giveaway uh, winners from all of our sponsors, Huntworth, Latitude, Spartan Forge, uh, Zinger, Kanadi Arrows, Lucky Buck, Vital IC, Genesis 3D. And of those, Latitude, Spartan Forge, Zinger, and Genesis 3D are all going to be at this expo. So you guys, uh, if you want to see some of the stuff that we keep talking about, some of this gear, um, meet some of these guys that have been on the podcast, the show is going to be amazing. Um, Really looking forward to it. It was fun last year. This year is going to be even better because it's in Michigan. So um, anyways, we're going to be announcing those this Friday uh, coming up. So it will be... Friday, what, the 14th, um, we're going to go live on Instagram. I'm going to uh, have all of them drawn so it's a little bit quicker. Uh, we'll do that same time, probably 9 Eastern as we as we usually do. I'll uh, get some posts and stuff going up for that. But there is another giveaway going on. So last year we worked with uh, Tim over at Adjustable Red Dot and can't say enough about uh, Tim and Abby and the people over there behind uh, Adjustable Red Dot. Great company, great people, um, and a heck of a product. And they are doing a huge giveaway. They're giving away a Darton uh, Spectre completely set up with um, their ARD Elite package with the Match.2, uh, a set of Kanadi arrows with the Zinger Fletchings, and uh, Simmons Shark Broadheads. And they're also... Uh, you've got until this Friday to get in on that. You just have to go to their uh, Instagram, and I believe they're doing it on Facebook as well. Um, you just got to like their post and uh, tag two buddies, um, and you're you're in. I think you got to follow them as well. But, I mean, in, in talking with them, when I talked to Tim about this, he was like, you know, we want to do a giveaway. We want to uh, give away a bow. And uh, with, I think they're, they're still maybe made in Michigan, but they just wanted to um, – you know, give some of that Michigan flavor with the, with the dart. And I know that they're owned by, um, you know, the people that own black Eagle now, but you know, still a lot of rich Michigan history. Uh, so go check them out over, uh, our friends over at adjustable red dot. And, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of everything I've got right now. So, um, look forward to seeing you guys at the expo. Um, again, that's in a couple weeks here, Kalamazoo, Michigan. And, 
you know, tune into this podcast, not just to hear about the expo. You know how I do things here. We talk a little bit about the expo, uh, but a lot about hunting and there's some really great hunting information in here too. So, um, go ahead, tell a friend as always. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Um, Talking with a guy that uh, you guys have probably seen on social media, uh, you've probably seen all the things uh, floating around that he's got going on, uh, podcast, uh, mobile hunting show, uh, all of these things. Chris Leppert today is on here. So uh, how you doing, Chris? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? Not too bad. Um, we were talking earlier about doing the uh, daddy daycare thing. I had the day off today, so... We live right by uh, Michigan's Adventure. We got season passes, so it was me and the daughter and my niece and nephew went over there for a few hours and killed some time. So it was a good day, good day. Nice. So awesome. So um, for people who don't know um, maybe about you and kind of the things that you've got going on, I want to go back uh, into like your history and kind of how you got into this stuff. But uh, just, just real quick, like, what are the things you got going on? So, man, <laughs> what I don't might be a shorter list. Um, so, essentially, we run a we run a Facebook group um, for outdoorsmen called Fueled by the Outdoors. We've got a podcast with the same name, and then uh, a YouTube with that name, YouTube channel with that name as well. Do like some gear reviews, Hans fishing trips. Um, you name it, little tips and tricks, how to stuff like that. But, um, what I'm, what I'm extremely passionate, passionate about is, is deer hunting. Uh, I made the switch. I started that group and, you know, there's this big movement with mobile hunting and I got into the public land thing, always grew up hunting private farms and really never knew how good I had it, uh, here in Southern Ohio and um, really didn't know as much about deer hunting as I thought I did. And uh, so I got into this public land game and uh, it's been a heck of a ride learning how to scout for whitetails and everything, just kind of getting into that side of things. Been fortunate to learn from guys like, you know, Jake Bush and a buddy of mine that refuses to let anybody know about him, but his name's Pierce Moore. Um, super talented deer hunter, but so got into the, the public land hunting and the mobile hunting. And then we started a trade show called the mobile hunters expo. And now I'm sitting here talking to Adam on the bow hunter chronicles, man. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're a, we're a big deal over here for the, the (laughs) 10 people that listen. Right. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but so uh, from your, from your upbringing coming to that, uh, you know, hunting private land and, and all of that. And, and so moving over to the, the public, what was the biggest, like things that you noticed or when you say like how good you had it, because, you know, I hunted Michigan private land with a rifle when I grew up until I met my wife and started hunting with her dad. And, um, I didn't, I had almost the opposite reaction of like, like this is like super cool and being able to go wherever you want to. And because we didn't really gun hunt, 
it wasn't like there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of guys because uh, we've got a ton of public land. Now, we don't have the bucks that you have in Ohio. I mean, sure. we're coming along, but it's just not the same. Um, yeah. But yeah, so talk about that experience a little bit. So I always had multiple farms to hunt. Really, nobody else had access to hunt where I did. Um, hunted some suburban spots, hunted some uh, decent sized farms, few hundred acres or whatever. And um, just never really had to, you know, I, I really just never had to learn, honestly. Uh, so I, I guess I wouldn't say I had it super great, but at the same rate, it was just kind of easy and um, learning. I, I got into the public land thing and man, it was a rude awakening on how not good of a hunter I truly was. Uh, I, you know, like a lot of people was kind of inspired to get into it. Uh, not only with the big movement, but, um, you know, THP starts putting stuff out and I saw where they shot a deer in Kentucky. I'm like, I think I'm going to do an out of state trip in Kentucky. So I go down there and man, I put these cams out and I'm like, where the hell am I going to put a trail camera here? Like there's no corn. I can't put out minerals. Like there's not a house over there to pinch these deer into this spot. It's just a big, big forest uh, with a few meadows. Like, man, I'm really going to have to figure some things out. And it was funny because I put trail cams out, not expecting much. And I had some decent deer on camera when I went back to check them. But as I kept going back, being a little, corn pile junkie i'd go back every couple of weeks and check those cams and every time you could tell it just affected the deer and affected the deer and they would just avoid the cams i thought they were like gone or nocturnal they're just avoiding you know anywhere where i went um i'm pretty sure they learned me but uh, like learned my scent and everything but um i actually ended up killing a really nice piebald 10 point on public land that year literally z let's be clear here very little woodsmanship went into that. And that was a lot of luck. Like God smiled on me big time. But after that, it really kind of sort of inspired me to just keep learning and keep pushing and everything. And uh, that year I went buckless in Ohio. So I like started off like I had just nearly won a world championship in the IBO. Then a couple weeks later, I shoot that pie ball and I'm like, man, this is really going well. <laughs> and then I ate a buck tag in Southern Ohio and I couldn't believe it. Um, and ended up eating one the next year as well. But I was targeting big deer on private land. And I said, no more. Like we're going to, we're going to go where we can chase deer. And I started learning, got to go scout with Jake a little bit and, um, some other people. And, uh, man, you talk about a, a turn, um, now I almost refuse to hunt the farms that I have, um, just because I just don't feel like it's realistic, like property lines. It's like hearing a Turkey gobble across the line. Like you can't go get him anyway. So what are you going to do? You can sit there and call him and he might be stupid enough to come to you, but Mr. Big stuff, he's, <laughs> he's going to scent check you from 150 out where you can't even see him and you're just wasting your time basically. So, um, did the public land thing and 
and really just haven't looked back since and uh, slowly improving, got a lot of work to do, but we're hunting six states this year and going to try to try to get a bunch of bucks down. So last year, I think I did. So I did three states, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Uh, I killed first sit on public in Ohio with a nice 12 pointer. And then um, it took me six sits in Kentucky to get it done. And I killed a nice eight down there at the end of October. And then literally the next weekend I go to Indiana, never been there, never haunted it. And I freaking got into the deer and I sat all day while I scouted and sat all day and um, ended up seeing nine deer, three shooters and got my shot opportunity the last couple minutes of light and blew the freaking shot. So I could have had three bucks and two does down and eight sits with a bow and blew that, but ended up doing, I think seven more sits after that, um, which I'm hunting like two and three hours away in Indiana. So that was a lot of work just to, you know, get sitters lined up and get everything squared away here and then make the drive with enough time to get in there, scout my way in or whatever and get on deer, but uh, ended up eating the tag in Indiana. So, but yeah, that's basically, you know, a long story made longer how I got into the public thing. No, that's perfect. And and so it, what's interesting is like I was messaging back and forth with you last year, I think maybe after the 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 expo and mm-hmm. um y- you know, just telling you like, look, my goals are like Pope and Young down there and you're like, "No, they got it's got to be bigger. There's much bigger deer." And you sent me some pictures of some giant deer. <laughs> and um I I think I was thinking about that as we were like going into this podcast and like leading up to it and, and thinking about like, A, I want to know, like, did your, uh, standards change as you moved over onto public? But then the second part of the question in kind of what applies to like, what, I, I guess what the mentality is, for, you know, because when you say, oh, I killed this big 12 point and all this stuff and the deer that you were, um, uh, sending me were some huge deer. Uh, and when I was down there, you know, I had a, a, a monster. I mean, I, I, like you said, like the, the lucky part of it, um, you know, there are some things that went into it, but like I killed a 150, you know, in like 2014 down in, down on Ohio public. And, uh, we saw some really good deer and, but the the deer that I saw last year was a diff, like bigger than that. Like a, it was a big, big, like lot of mass. It wasn't like it, it had time length and stuff like that, but it was massive. Um, it was just after, after dark, you know? And, um, but I, I think maybe it's like my mentality of like, okay, I was in the spot. That's cool. Uh, didn't work out, but I don't have, or have yet to have uh, established this like obsessive gene, which I think like some people have like with big deer, like, cause I was, like I said, as, as I was leading up to this, like thinking about that as like, I could see like, uh, like a Jake Bush or like Dan Infault, like maybe like Andy May, like when they talk about this kind of stuff, they, like always keep that deer in the back of their mind and they're trying to keep tabs on him. And they're like, well, if I could get back down there, if he's still alive, like I could kill him on this wind right here. 
and for me, it was just like, I felt like I had that opportunity and it just didn't work out. And that was, that was the end of the, the hunt, the end of the story. Um, so, so does that sort of thing, um, both the, the standard change and like the mentality change uh, for you on public for me. So it was really, it's, that's a good question. So my, my standards on private land used to be probably borderline unrealistic. Uh, the best deer I ever killed was 171 inch and like three eighths or whatever, 14. And I nearly passed that deer because I knew he was four. I'd passed him the year before he exploded by like 52 inches or something crazy as a four-year-old. And I thought, that's probably your 200-inch ticket walking there. Like, do you really want to shoot him? And then I said, you know how happy the wife is when you fill your buck tag and it's mid-October. Like you could, and I didn't, my buddies, my two buddies that I shared him with, they told me he'd push 70 and I'm like, no, he's not. Like, I didn't know how to score deer then. So I thought he's probably at least 150, you know, you could have like 150 inch deer. That'll be your number two deer at least, you know, um, <laughs> I nearly passed that deer and then I ended up shooting him and thank God I did because I've had multiple deer on that farm, um, that I've passed as three-year-olds that were just ridiculous. Just leave the farm and get hit by cars, die, uh, you know, get shot, whatever. So, um, my mentality did change, but it, my mentality didn't change because I was hunting public land to the degree that other people's like, people were like, Oh, that's a good buck for public. And then I'm like, what do you mean? Like they get just as big on public here as they do on private. We have gigantic deer, uh, throughout the entire state. And Jake is, you know, clear proof of that. Um, they're a lot harder to find and pin down, I feel like. But I think once you get your system down like he does and some other guys do, it's easier. My mentality changed because I want to be efficient and hunt multiple states. And like last year when I killed my deer in Ohio, my like my wife is ridiculously happy when I put a buck down because she knows that that's more Halloween time and Christmas things and all the different things we can do. So like, for example, last year, um, my 12 really, I mean. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring summer food plot mix and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed make biology work for you order now at vitalizeseed.com it's all about perspective right the 12 pointer that i shot wasn't big he was a low 30s buck it's a good deer and he was absolutely six years old i saw him glassing and 
I showed my friends and I was like, I don't think I can pass him if he walks by. He's not a big deer, but he's very unique. And that's just, he's a donkey. You know, he's a big, big animal. He just doesn't for whatever reason. And I had him on camera the year before and he was like in the fifties, low fifties, very gorgeous deer. I don't know what happened to him, uh, whether he got sick or whatever. So I told him, Hey, that deer walks by me opening day when I'm there, he's getting an arrow. And of course he was the first one down the hill, wind to back, right, right in front of me at eight yards and said, okay, (laughs) you're dead. So now the kicker to that story where I could kick myself is the 145 inch eight that I passed the year before on that public land walked right in front of me at sub 25 yards along with the 140 inch nine minutes after I shot that deer. So that was a little on the depressing side uh, because I wanted, I wanted that eight really bad because I had a lot of history with him Uh, and he's bigger, but so my mentality or sorry, my, my standards have changed, but I just like being a, you know, it, it went from like, Oh, it has to have, you know, X amount of inches to, I would like for them to be mature. Part of that is also because I'm still learning. Uh, I'm not, you know, a Jake or an Andy or, you know, all these other guys, Rendell, Eric. I mean, these dudes are freaking studs, man. And I'm still, I'm very new to the public land thing. I didn't start it until 2019. And I feel like last year was the first year that I felt relatively confident that I could go find a deer and kill it. And so this year's standards will be a little higher. But again, if I have a really, really nice mature animal that's messing around in daylight in front of me, I don't know that I'm going to pass him. Um, So that kind of, I don't know if that answers the second part of your question, because my mentality kind of changed simply because, um, you know, now I know that I can be efficient and go kill a deer on public and, and probably kill it in the first couple sits. Um, you know, if it's relatively close to where I live, uh, within a couple hours. And so, you know, my mentality used to be, you know, it had, I didn't care about the age. Um, if it was four or older, it was getting shot. If it had 150, 160, 170 inches of antler. Now I'm more looking at, you know, efficiency and honestly, uh, you know, maturity is important to me, but and there's a lot of adventure to be had. Um, the the whole experience for me on public land from, you know, a two hour drive in the morning, drinking coffee with nobody around, watching the moonlight as you drive in, and then the hike in. And I hike like oftentimes I pick places that are extremely difficult to access and I'm questioning my own sanity, um, but I don't see hunters. So it kind of works out. Um, you know, and then getting to scout and kind of sort of merge with nature, if you will, um, being a part of that whole thing and then getting to put an animal down and butcher and pack out and just all the work. I I guess I'm kind of addicted to the work side as well a little bit, because when you sit down at the dinner table with the family or some friends or whoever, you know what you put into that buck's back straps or, you know, jerky or whatever, So when everybody sits down, there's just kind of this sort of surreal, you know, moment where you're like, 
reflecting. And then when you look at pictures with your buddies, like you didn't just, and I'm not down on anybody that hunts private or anything like that, but I know that if me and you share a hunt together and we drag a deer out on a sled 150 yards versus we kayaked a buck out, you know, upstream three miles, you're going to remember the suck <laughs> quite a bit more. And it, it sucks during the time. But then when you reflect on it, you're like, man, I really, really earned that deer in every way possible. So I hope that answers your question well enough. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack there, you know, yeah. especially for, um, you know, a lot of our listeners and for me as well, like, and, and if you've got a, a big uh, Michigan listenership, right? Like how ridiculous it sounds to be like, oh, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, that's my, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. uh, well, like this, yeah. this, this one right here, like I was so happy to shoot that. And that's a three and a half year old deer here in Michigan, you know, and when, when I had the, about a three inch spike walk behind me at, mm, I would say eight o'clock, eight thirty, And the spot that I was sitting is usually done, like done forever. The deer have already moved through by nine o'clock. You know, I'm thinking that's the deer that I saw. I was going to see that day. Like that was the sit. And this guy walked by at about eight 45 and I was like, there's no way I was like, you know, and, and, you know, we had no trail cameras in the spot. It's just one of those spots. It's the spot. Right. And yeah. so, to, so to be like, Oh, well, one forties, one fifties, one sixties, you know, it's, and there's a lot of guys that have never killed a buck, never killed a, a, a deer with a bow, let alone a, a you know, borderline Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young size buck. So it's one of those things where everything is in, perspective but what we did get from that was kind of what we talk about a lot on this show is the the experience right it's so it's it's more about the so it's interesting i was thinking about it like you were talking about like sharing it with your buddies and all that sort of stuff like that deer right there i killed on my own and so i had to call john to help me get it out of there and 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 that's the memory that i have but you know everybody was leaving town. There was nobody to high five. There was nobody to, to share it with. And like when we had our deer camp, that was the one thing that like is, I feel like even more addictive than the actual hunting or the killing or anything. It's the, it's the sharing the experience. And you're talking about that, that sharing of the, the meal and the, and all of that. And I, I think that that, you know, kind of holds true, regardless of the size of the deer. And I think that a lot of times that's more important um, than, than any of it, because, you know, you, you were talking about those deer that you were sharing with your buddies or you were, you know, maybe you guys hunted the same property. Maybe you saw, you know, hunted some of the same spots or whatever, but like that can drive a wedge and a friendship and a family and, and a lot yeah. of different things. Um, Absolutely. so it, it's just, to me, the, the experience is what it's all about. It's never about the quote unquote animal, but for a lot of the deer, I'd say 90% of the deer that I've killed that I've never seen before. And I love 
that, um, you know, when you said like going out and being efficient and all that stuff, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking in my head about like the work that I need to do, um, to, to become more efficient instead of, um, kind of being able to go in and look at a spot. But if you, if you were to go back and look at like the way that I learned to hunt public land, which is from my father-in-law, Frank, he can go into the woods anywhere and be like, this is a tree and he'll kill a year and a half, a two and a half year old buck and be ecstatic. I mean, like over the moon. And that's the way that I learned to view the woods, to read, you know, cause sure. it's like this guy goes out every single time and kills a deer every, you know, you know, <laughs> every time or, you know, it, wasn't big enough to fill his tag or, or whatever, but he's always on the deer. So I looked at the sign and looked. So if that's all you see and all you surround yourself with, then that's what your standards are, are going to be. Um, and so for me, it's always, I always love that validation of being, going into a spot, getting up a tree that they maybe have never even seen before, but it just looked right or it looked good on the map. And then, then deer come by in bow range and you're like, Oh man, like, and so, you know, sometimes you just got to kill them so, <laughs> because, Oh yeah. Because a lot of this too. And, um, I, I'm interested to see like what your, um, setup was and what your, how your take was, uh, to public land. But I think you'd mentioned THP in there and, you know, a, a lot of guys that came in on that movement that were inspired by THP didn't have, don't, don't realize the amount of experience that THP came in to with doing that. And so you've got guys that are like, well, I'm going to hold out for a Pope and Young, or I'm going to hold out for a 140 right. and they haven't killed enough deer um, for that. And it's like, you know, you, you got to get excited you know, shooting any deer, uh, and, and being able to share those experiences and have that. So for you going out on public land, kind of inspired by THP, like what was your like early mobile setup? Like for you, like when you decided that you were going to be mobile, what did that look like? So, oh man. So I used some climbing steps um, from Bullman outdoors. I tried, I wasn't very good at it. Um, you know, I learning what I've learned, I've learned that, you know, when you're, when you try to target, let's say a certain mature deer in a certain area, which I'm a bed hunter. So oftentimes you're going up the backside of a tree and you have to be on a certain side of the tree. You can't, pick the top side or the, the underside of the lean, or you've got to be on the, you know, the, the South side of the tree or whatever, you know, so you don't have a, a choice. And I struggled there with the, the ring of steps and the climbing steps. Cause the, you know, I'm trying to do this all while self-filming, learning to self-film and bow hunt on public land. So I took on way too much. And uh, I almost, I, ha I had a, like an old homemade saddle, that he had given me and I, I almost gave it up. Um, and during that hunt in Kentucky where I killed that piebald, uh, the morning I wasn't 
really able to get up the tree very efficiently. We didn't see anything. And so that night I took my summit climber out and we killed that deer. Um, and then as I evolved, uh, I tried some climbing sticks from EWO, those feather sticks, freaking loved them, could go up a tree easily with them, go up any side of the tree I wanted. Um, and then I ended up getting, uh, a saddle it was the first year we did the expo and latitude sent saddles for us to put on the poles and let people check out and try out. And, um, I tried out that freaking method too, dude, and, uh, fell in love with it and then started, you know, I, I, I struggled a little bit, but I got into the one sticking and, um, one sticking on Kentucky public land when you're like in meadows and stuff, was a nightmare because they're just like you're looking at like one or two sticks high period and you're going to go through sticker bushes and honeysuckle and you know you're climbing locust trees and uh, it's very difficult so it's not ideal for one sticking and um, where I really started to flourish there and in the saddle was when I got into the bigger timber and started going up some nice white oaks I was able to straddle them and because I'm a sitter um, and, you know, the one sticking up and, you know, repelling down and everything just came a lot easier. Um, so now early season, uh, anytime I'm, I'm bed hunting a deer, I'm two sticks with a three-step movable aider. Um, and then uh, I use a, a method two basically in a platform um, depending on which platform I want to use right now, I use the Onyx from Trophy Line. Um, it's a pretty slick little platform. Um, and then when I do things like, you know, scouting my way in in like Indiana and stuff, uh, especially during the rut, I'm back into the one sticking, one stick and repel uh, with the ultimator on there and rocking the saddle. Uh, sometimes I'll use a stand. I just feel like I've had so many instances where, I'll be on the backside of that tree and have big deer come in and look right at me and not be able to figure out what I am. And that's on private or public. Um, and then just continue on living their life. So, um, of course that's, you know, like those deer that came down after I shot the deer. Right. So I'm not like passing a bunch of big deer or anything now, but, um, yeah. So normally I rock the, the saddle. I, I hunted out of a stand a few times the elevate last year. Um, and that was, I mean, that's a super nice stand to sit in. And I just, I feel almost kind of naked now sitting on the front side of a tree. Cause anytime a deer looks at me, it's, it's over. <laughs> so unless old nanny tracks you to your tree, then you're done no matter what. Yeah. I have a hard time with the, with a tree stand. I, I don't, I can't think about maybe one time in the last like four years um, that I've actually sat in a tree stand and the, the hard part for me is having no tension, like not being like tethered to the tree. Like I feel so much more comfortable in there. And, and oddly enough, the, the first time that I ever, like 
climbed and got at height with a saddle. Um, I was doing an observation sit in like out on public and I'll tell you, I was freaking terrified. Like, cause I was like, I just, the only thing I could think was like, if this rope breaks, I'm just going to fall right and lance right on my back or my neck. Yep. Like, I'm just going to fall. I'm just going to fall straight back. Yep. Um, and now fast forward, it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know? Right. And so yeah. it's so strange. Um, one of the things you were talking about there, and uh, I guess I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you just because of um, the success that you've had and being able to figure out that kind of stuff, uh, th- these deer uh, going in on public. So like when you said you're scouting your way in, um, like in Indiana, so, so, and when you said you got into the deer and everything like that, so, so take us through that scout and that hunt into like what you're looking for and like what you're setting up on when you decide that this is a spot. Probably my favorite hunt of my life. Uh, okay. Strap in. So, um, I was hunting terrain that I'm not used to just because I felt like, um, I'm going to go through the whole thing, how I picked the spot and everything. So, um, I feel like a lot of people right now are into the hill country thing. Thanks, Jake. And I think that hills are easier to read once you figure that out. So I went and I I picked a few spots on a map and I couldn't get away from this river bottom place that I'd seen. It was huge. I thought, man, I'll be able to get away from people there. Plus I have the possibility of water access with a river. Um, so if I need to get in or out with a deer and we'll be good to go, I've got the kayak and everything. So I actually made some posts, uh, a post in our group that we run asking people who have experience hunting flat land and got a bunch of good advice there. Watched some Dan Infault videos and some others on YouTube and decided, man, I'm, I'm going to ditch the hills and we're going to go play in the flat country a little bit and just try it out. And I'd found an oxbow that I really, really wanted to target. It looked like it set up perfectly uh, for a buck to bed in uh, with a southwest wind and uh, or a southerly wind, I should say. And so the, the river runs along the north side of the property and we it it was during uh, the first week of November when we had that big warm up, and it was like you know seventy eight to eighty five degrees, and you're seeing everybody everywhere. All oh, the deer, the deer aren't moving. I'm, I'm over here, like man, I'm in deer all over the place. Um, so what I did is I picked a spot to start in the morning. Um, which was right up against the river. I figured a buck would walk along the river's edge uh, on the north side of the property with a south wind scent checking the entire woods using his nose efficiently and just moving in cover, basically. Um, And I was hoping to find food. As soon as I found an oak tree that was dropping near the river I set up and I was literally a single stick high and I didn't get 
everything ready before the first buck walked by. Um, and, and the bucks I saw from that stand were all small. Um, so, but, so like one thirties, right? No, <laughs> no, they were, they were little, they were little yearling bucks and two year olds. Um, and so I saw a buck come by and I'm sitting there like, Oh, okay. You know, I, I came to Indiana and I didn't get offered. And I have to add this too, before I get ahead of myself too much. I came up the day before and simply drove around. I never got out of the truck other than to take a pee. Um, I wanted to look at pressure in the parking lots. It's the first weekend of November. You know, and in my opinion, that last weekend in October is like your last time alone before everybody's traveling out of state in that sweet month of November. So um, I, I drove all the way there early in the morning and, and scouted, you know, four or five different access points on a few pieces of public. And man, when I pulled into that spot at, you know, seven, seven thirty in the morning, whatever it was, and there wasn't any cars in the parking lot, I thought, Oh baby, we got our spot. <laughs> we're, we're in it. So, um, went back, celebrated my daughter's birthday, drove the next morning. You know, you guys know the rest. So I saw three bucks and a doe from that spot. And I just felt like I really wasn't in it yet. I just had that weird feeling. So I got down, drank some water, ate lunch, and moved to the south side near the ag fields and just walked the edge looking for scrapes and any dropping oaks. And it was really weird. Um, I found that there was this like crazy transition in the middle of the forest that led directly to that oxbow. Um, I never found any good sign up by the ag fields. I couldn't believe it. And then when I got close to them and glassed them, they were all super cut short bean fields. So I thought, well, there you go. So we're not going to get to rely on anybody's ag. Let's go find some acorns or some locust trees. And so as I'm walking back, I'm noticing that the part of the forest that I was in um, was younger growth and, um, or I'm sorry, it was, it was older growth and there were a lot more leaves left on the trees signifying that we had beaches and oaks and everything. And then as I'm walking up that transition to the, uh, let's see, the um, west side of me, everything was maples. There was just, there was nothing there. There was no reason for a deer to be there. So I followed that transition all the way to the river. And as I'm getting up to the oxbow, I look up and I jump this big buck with a couple of does. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, I walk over there and I find, you know, beds. I find a very fresh scrape and I've got a massive pin oak that they were bedded underneath of um, just like in the front of that oxbow. Uh, I guess you would call it like the, the land bridge or something. I think Dan calls it, but basically that pin oak was raining. So I got set up. I seen another good one a uh, little while later. And then probably an hour before last light a doe comes through and uh what I, what i had done by the way before i set up is um i took an entire bottle of deer piss i'm not real big on scents or scent killer or anything like that 
Um, I always just play the wind and thermals and stuff and use terrain to my advantage as much as I can. But <clears throat> I had had some luck um, getting deer to stop at least to smell this stuff and just kind of using it um, not so much as like a, I'm going to bring deer in for miles, but if I can bring in like that last 50 yards or something or get you to stop or whatever, then maybe, you know, that'll work. So I put the whole bottle out in like a, you know, a 20 by 20 radius, just sprinkled it all around that scrape. Um, and lo and behold, as I'm thinking like, okay, well, we've got like a 55 minute hike out of here. Uh, probably should start thinking about getting down or at least packing up. And I hear, and I'm like, well, I know what that is. I got the bow ready, got the camera and everything. And here he came and he, he, it was so interesting because the wind had completely died down and I could see him using the, or trying to use the thermals to locate those dough and heat, um, trying to locate where she had chose to go. And he just could, it was like watching a bird dog trying to figure out a pheasant and he just couldn't do it. So finally you could see it on his face. He broke down and came over to that scrape and just said, well, let's just go see what's up. And then maybe we can cut her track or whatever comes over and is just like taking it in. It seemed like forever, but it was like two minutes. And then he just breaks and walks right in front of me. And to this day, I, I checked my bow. I have no idea what happened. Um, strong side shot uh, in front of me. Thought he was going to be nine o'clock of me, but it turned out to be like 10, 30, 11, which isn't my favorite, but I'll take that every time on the strong side. And uh, Drew stopped him. Everything was perfect and shot right over his back. Never touched the deer at 21 yards. And I came home next day, checked, checked my bow, tried to torque the hell out of it, tried to, um, I don't know how much you're into like, uh, nerdy tuning stuff, but I tried to let my arm creep forward a little bit. So I wasn't up against the stops up against the wall and see if that would work and make me hit high, tried everything I could to make myself go high. And I mean, I could have closed my eyes and hit a baseball at 20 yards. So I missed him though. <laughs> so, so do you have a, uh, uh, action cam on yourself at this point? Um, I did not that day. Okay. Uh, normally I do. Okay. So we've got a, one of our listeners, one of our Patreons, they're going to uh, absolutely love this. I know the guys in the group are. Uh, Brad uh, it did a very, very similar thing. And uh, when you watch the video back, his arrow is actually underneath his D loop and not in the D loop. Mm. So that's rough. So, so that, that, you know, there, yeah. there are ways that that can happen. You never know with me, man. I, I get going and um, I couldn't tell you that it was or wasn't. I'd like to believe that it was in the D loop, but um, I'll be honest with you. After seeing that deer get up out of his bed and take off running with those does, I thought, oh my God, we're, we're here. <laughs> like this is where we're setting up, you know, everywhere else. Uh, you know, we've not really had that much luck and didn't find the food. And now we've got food. We've got, we've got everything you could ever want. There's no reason to go anywhere else. And I was pretty, pretty freaking jacked if I'm being honest. 
Um, so, so going back to like the beginning of that, where we were talking about the, um, what your initial mobile setup is, uh, where did this expo come from and how long have you been doing it? Because it would seem like if you, if you were new to hunting, it's a great idea, like to try and get everybody together. Uh, but the, uh, other side of that is like, if you don't have any experience or anything like that, it's gotta be difficult getting people to, to buy in and say, yeah, we're going to come, come do this. So, uh, how did that all come about? So I had, um, been working with Eastern woods outdoors, just trying to help them get a little better presence on the internet and stuff. And, um, I wanted to do an event for them similar to like a saddle meetup. That's really how it started. Um, and I told him, I was like, I'll bet I could get 50 to a hundred people to come. I mean, and he was kind of giving me an idea of what most saddle meetups that he did, you know, the size of the crowd, you know, wasn't really big. So I thought we can at least do that or better and we'll make a fun time out of it. And, uh, I had, a guy reach out to me that scores for Buckmasters. Uh, he and his buddy, who's also a scorer, um, Will Leonard and Toby Hughes, uh, they wanted to put on a scoring event. You know, like everybody's wanting me to throw these parties or something because I got this Facebook group. So I thought, well, why don't we do that together? And that way we can get, you know, kind of a more diverse crowd and have more people for each of you. And literally, like it was like anything else, I I was like, let's invite everybody we can. You know, once I had that idea, I thought, well, let's invite everyone and then we'll have an even bigger crowd. How long ago was this? So when was the first one? Uh, First one was, let's see, what is it now? 2023, 2021. Okay. So put on that. And I think we had... So that one was really, in my opinion, the the craziest one because I got this idea um, and then I think we put that on like a month later, basically five or six weeks or something. I think we put it together in three and a half weeks and then I promoted it online for 10 days and we had a couple hundred people show up and had 10 vendors and then Last year, I think we had 37 vendors and 400 people. And uh, the Southern show this year, we turned out 900 people. And I think we had 40-something vendors in Michigan. Michigan's probably going to crush that in every aspect. Because, like, people people drove from Texas to Tennessee to come to that thing. I could, like, that's a long way to drive. Dude drove 12 hours. And uh, love you, Seth. Um, I just couldn't couldn't get over how far a bunch of people drove. I mean, they came from every state in the South uh, to come to that show. And um, what's interesting, though, is it's it's a very niche thing, but it's I don't get to interview every single person that comes through the door and talk to everybody and everything, although we're getting better with those analytics. But I have talked to. Uh, a few beginners, but n- most of the time, I think a lot of the beginners get drug out by their buddies. Um, what what interests me is seeing people go from like just a regular, like the old lone wolf, you know, they're like 32 inch climbing sticks, 
and then they get like some, you know, 20s or 17s. And then people start getting into the eighter game. And like, you know, something I experienced at this last show that sort of kind of verified my own feelings, those new sticks from Latitude. Um, it It is tough when I first used them. It was tough to get over the fact that they would hold you like they're going to hold you, but they look plastic. So it's tough to trust that. And so I had that thought I uh, was putting a little video together or whatever and tested them a little more than I should have on a leaner. And uh, it was just kind of frightening, if you will. And so after they didn't fail, I'm like, yeah, these things like they're not breaking. So getting to the expo, I had a few people say, man, it just doesn't look like it can hold me. That looks plastic. And I'm like, oh, okay. So let me tell you a story. <laughs> so um, it's just neat watching people transition from, uh, you know, sometimes being a beginner, but oftentimes I don't know how many beginners we we truly get. I, I think a lot of people are more experienced and just, I mean, we all know how it was, dude. You used to have to wait forever to get a saddle and anything. And then you'd try two, three, four, five of them before you find something you like. Uh, it, was, it was very difficult. Now I feel like we live in a world where a lot more of the products are a lot more user-friendly. And, you know, I don't, I don't experience like the hip pinch or anything anymore like you used to when you had, what, two or three options or whatever. So, um, but for a beginner, man, you, you couldn't ask, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but um, I don't know that you can find a better place to come and talk to really experienced deer hunters and and take home that knowledge. But also, you can literally try almost anything on the freaking market and play with it, you know, put it on a pack or in a pack or whatever, um, you know, see how it packs, see how you uh, can attach it to a tree and and just take in all kinds of information and then literally buy it on the spot and take it home, oftentimes at a discount, which is really nice. Um, and it's cool because, you know, there's there's that aspect where people get to learn and, and pick out what they want and buy it. And then you get to see these companies who come. And I, I mean, some of these guys are doing this stuff in their basement and garage. And I mean, it's going to put their kid through college or something. And then you see them, you know, buying XYZ to get ready for the show next year. And you're like, man, it's just, it's cool to see everybody grow together, really. Oh, yeah. That's, that's something, you know, for us is we started this like when the saddle thing started, but that wasn't the, the driver, but it ended up being, you know, really cool to be positioned where we were um, mm -hmm. in it. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, somewhat hard for me to, to, think about that time of like when you couldn't get a saddle just because I had all the saddles. I mean, and, and that's what we were trying to do was try to make, you know, have some events or get people together or just say, Hey, you know, I have every saddle that's available. So, you know, come, ch come check it out. You know, when we're at right. the total archery challenge or when we are up there and you're right, it has changed. Um, now it's becoming, you know, easier to, to get yourself into these, um, one of the things with your timing on the event and, um, the, the, the other, 
um, mobile hunting roadshow, um, you know, with uh, the name. I mean, th- there's people with my within the Patreon group, you know, that are just like, what's the difference? Are these the same thing? Like what's going on? Um, and obviously I was at your event with latitude last year. Um, and Huntworth was there too. Um, and then we like literally just, you know, what 20 minutes from my house was a mobile hunters roadshow. Um, so I yeah. went to that and got to see, um, the differences, but the mobile hunters roadshow guys, um, can, sometimes be a little harsh, be a little, uh, intimidating. So did you have any sort of like competition, like blowback, like anything, uh, with that? Um, Yeah. I mean, so I think there's a lot of people that think that we're in competition with each other and I, I can't speak for them obviously, but for me, they're, they're not our competition because, you know, in my opinion, they're a completely different thing. Theirs is more, of a, a smaller kind of like workshop, if you will. And ours is like an actual like trade show. And I don't mean that in any way to be, you know, that's not a dig or anything. It's just a very big difference in my opinion. And, um, you know, they have really their, you know, their lone wolf custom gear that they're focusing on and we're focusing on you know everybody. Um, and we've actually invited them to every show that we've done. Um, you know, we have no issues with, with lone wolf custom gear or, you know, anyone like that, but, uh, caught a, caught a little blowback from people, but I, so, you know, I think this goes with anything in life. Um, the people that I have caught blowback from aren't anybody that's truly affiliated with them. Um, they're, they have a lot of really, really good hunters on their staff and I've had nothing but amazing interactions with those guys, both, you know, talking about gear, but also just trying to learn, like probably one of my favorite hunters of all times, Troy Pottinger and talking to that dude. I mean, I mean, there's only a few people that are, you know, in the class that he's in. And, and I don't even know if that's the case in my opinion. So, um, you know, I don't, I, it's tough not to get caught up in stuff like that, but honestly, uh, at this point, it's one of those things where you just kind of brush it off and just say, all right, you know, you, you do you, I'm going to do me. Um, you know, it kind of sucks a little bit because uh, everybody's, everyone's putting mobile hunter in, in their name now. And um, it creates like brand confusion, I guess, but uh, you know, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, you know, one of the things that I was uh, kind of getting at is that the people are confused of like, what yeah. is this is the same thing like what's yeah. going on so um and, and yeah i mean this year you guys have one of the same speakers so i mean obviously if there yeah. was that big yeah. of a deal it Peter. would be yep so so for the the event coming up in here in michigan um what can you tell us like about the the way the event is structured what what guys uh, can expect, um, like when the seminars are, who's speaking, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So on Friday, we're going to do a live show with Dan in fault and Josh. Uh, I, I believe his last name is Tolker. Um, I may be destroying that. So I apologize, Josh in advance. I've never formally met him, but, um, we're going to do a live Q and a, um, with them and, 
uh, all of the speakers, which, you know, you've got Dan and Josh, Garrett Prawl, the DIY sportsman. Uh, you've got Dieter Cocken, and then you have um, Sam Ubble, I believe it is. So we're going to do a, uh, a live Q&A with them on Friday evening. And then, uh, so the show on Friday evening will be three to eight. And um, Saturday will be eight to four. And I want to say seminars start sometime around like 11, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And they'll go all day. And essentially, um, they're going to be pretty slick. Dan and Josh are they're going to do their thing, of course. And then Garrett Prawl is going to do uh, a, ser- or a, a seminar on um, map scouting, which, like, don't get me wrong. I'm supposed to say great things about this show to get people to come. I'm over the moon excited to watch that. I hope that I'm not being pulled in 20 different directions because I really want to see that. Um, we're going to get to talk uh, with Dieter about, and this is all Q and a, so like these guys are going to talk and, you know, then there's going to be time for everybody to get their questions. in. we highly encourage everybody to ask all the questions you can. Um, and just keep in mind that when you're thinking, Oh, should I, well, there's 10 other people that want to ask it and they're not you know, brave enough or what they feel out of place. Ask the question, man, because you have no idea how many people are thinking the same thing. So um, the the seminars will go throughout the day though. Basically uh, Sam's going to talk about access, which I'm also super excited about. And then Dieter's going to talk about uh, scent because he's a canine handler. Um, and then uh, directly after we end at four o'clock, we are going to have the Latitude Film Festival which is going to be a a good time. Um, And then Sunday, uh, that'll be four to six. And then Sunday, we're going to do the expo nine to three. And we won't have any seminars that day. We're going to get everybody home um, because I think everybody has a pretty long drive home. Dieter, I'm pretty sure, is like above Wisconsin or something in the UP. (laughs) He's way out there. So, um, yeah, it should be a good time, man. It's uh, tickets are uh, twenty dollars in person, eighteen online, and then you know we're, we'll probably have codes through different. I think Dan's got a code right now where you can save an extra two bucks online or something like that. So, um, and all of that can be purchased uh, at our website, themobilehuntersexpo.com. Okay, awesome. Um, a couple of things. One. Uh, Spartan Forge is going to be there showing yep. off their, yep. their new stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to sit down with those guys and see that. Um, is Buzzard Roost going to be to the Michigan show? I actually talked with Benny today and he can't get the time off. So I'm, I'm, I'm pushing him a little bit. Uh, I asked him if he could just send some of his people or if that was a no-go. He said he's going to talk to some people. So really would like for him to be up there. I think they're, I like Benny a lot. Well, it might raise some eyebrows cause uh, uh, you know, we're working with latitude. We're definitely latitude guys, but there is not one single uh, latitude staff member, owner, anybody um, that can make gumbo like 
those Louisiana no. boys. No. And uh, that I was really uh, looking forward to that. So they made, they made a, what do you call that? A jambalaya. Yep. Good yep. God. That was amazing. And, you know, he wanted to sell that stuff at the Southern show. I was like, hell yeah. You just let me get a couple bowls, dude. And you can <laughs> sell all the, the freaking uh, jambalaya gumbo, whatever you bring it all up here. And uh, the convention center wouldn't let us do it. So I'm like, okay. So I may, uh, may have to talk with the, uh, the people up in Kalamazoo and see if we can snag him into doing that. Cause that stuff was amazing. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I got to get with, uh, you and figure out some logistics, but I got to talk to the latitude guys and see what's going on to see. Yeah. Uh, Cause I know last year there was like some other thing on Friday, like a meet and greet deal or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was the, uh, like the weekend experience where we just let, like, I think we allowed like 45 people or something to buy a specialized ticket. And this year we wanted to make sure we had plenty of room for plenty of people. And so we just nixed that. So it's all just general admission and, um, you know, nothing special or fancy. Plus we just, I mean, the majority of this is put together by two guys. Uh, so we just didn't have the time, headspace and manpower to, to do the catered thing and all that. So we figured we'd nix it. Okay. So what's the best place if they've got questions between now and the the show in Kalamazoo to, to get a hold of you or to, to, and even just to follow along with the podcast and like kind of what you guys are doing. Yeah. So if you want to email us at fueled by the outdoors, um, at Gmail, sorry, fueled by the outdoors at gmail.com, or you can send us a message through our website or through, you know, the Facebook business page, which we have a business page for both, uh, both fueled by the outdoors and, uh, the Mobile Hunters Expo. Um, so you can send us a message through there if you'd like. Um, and did you want me, like, would you like for me to read the vendors that we have coming? Yeah, go ahead. Currently? Okay. So we have, <clears throat> this will be in alphabetical order, so please don't think I'm too neurotic. So we have A3 Archery, Antler 365, Osseo Gear, Backwoods Mobile Gear, Catfish Custom Bowstrings, Cruiser, Deer Crossing Archery, Dryad, EWO, Elevate, Stand Company, Fourth Arrow is coming, which I'm pretty excited about. Been pretty big on trying to get all the Michigan companies I can. You're going to have uh, a Fox long list. Ammo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fueled by the Outdoors podcast will be there, of course. Gearhead Archery, Genesis 3D Printing, Good Sit Mobile. Graber Forge makes some pretty sweet knives. H2 Saddles will be there. Hang Free. Havoc Hunting Products. They're a new company that's got some pretty slick arrows and broadheads out. Uh, They're in Michigan. Hunt 3D. They're a 3D printing company that just released a 3D printed camera arm. Hunting Beast Gear will be there, of course. Innovating the Outdoors. Kindred Spirits Family Adventures. They're like a, uh, they engrave cups and stuff like that. Kanadi Arrows, Krizinga Archery, Latitude Outdoors, LIDAR Drone Services. Going to be able to get your deer recovered with a drone now. Uh, Michigan Food Plot, Mix Outdoors, another Michigan company. Uh, Mitten Coolers, Painted Arrow Outdoors, Pursuit Platforms, Saddies Gunworks and Ammo, 
Spartan Forge, Stealth Hunting E-Bikes, Stealth Outdoors, Tethered, The Amsteel Guy, Timberwolf Supply Company, Trophy Line, Two Bore Saddles, TX5 Custom Gear, Ultimator, XOP, and Zinger Fletches. Heck yeah. So, uh, And we're adding still, so that'll probably have probably like three to five more or so. Maybe we'll add more than that. Who knows? Perfect. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time coming on here and, and, and talking, uh, you know, not just about the, the expo, but, uh, you know, yeah. just about your experiences and stuff like that. So really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Back at you, brother. <laughs>